For Green Biz Radio, I'm Leslie Guevara. Rand Wadoops is Senior Director of Business Strategy and Sustainability for Walmart Stores, Inc. Almost four years ago, Walmart announced three major goals that have since driven the company's operations, internally and externally. Today, Rand gives us an insider's update on Walmart's efforts towards sustainability, its progress, and its next big challenges. Ron, thank you very much for being with us today. Thanks for having me. We appreciate your coming to speak with us about Walmart. The firm did something radical in 2005. It set some unprecedented goals. It set a target for having 100% renewables, absolutely zero waste, and to put products on the shelves that sustain the environment. Ever since that that speech in October of 2005 when our CEO uh, sort of laid out a foundation for for what our big goals would be, it's been it's been amazing to watch this company progress. It's been amazing to see that uh, Walmart is is very good at uh, at eliminating waste naturally. Well, I'll start out with that waste goal. We've we've made a lot of progress with regard to first measuring how much waste was actually leaving our stores. And I'll tell you, we were a little surprised at uh, at how much value there was in our trash cans. Um, and so from that angle, we've spent a a number of, uh, of uh, quite a bit of our time over the last couple of years since 2005, really understanding what's go- what was going in our trash can back then, how we could develop uh, some value out of that, and therefore, obviously, when you can get value out of your trash, diverting those waste streams and turning them into new things is, is really exciting. And so we've done things like uh, um, take some of our old plastic products that uh, are brought back to our stores as either damaged or in some way returned. And uh, when those get broken down into to plastics, we're, we're now shipping those off to Bissell, and they're now turning them into vacuum cleaners. Or, uh, you know, we've, we've discovered that there's a lot of a lot of plastics in our trash that uh, most people uh, would, would just throw away and put in landfills, but we've actually managed to, to turn them into other new kinds of products like stepping stools. And uh, like uh, there's actually a company in Texas we're working with to take some things like our old oil bottles. Uh, and oil bottles are difficult to, to use because they're coated with, with oil on the inside. Uh, <laughs> exactly. But now we're we're making railroad ties out of these now, and you know it's just been really fun to take a look at uh, look at all of the things that uh, that you know you you, you honestly kind of just think of as of course that goes in the trash can, uh, and figuring out new ways to create value with those so that they can turn into new products and even in some cases things we sell on our shelves again later. That would be our waste goal and some of the fun things we've done there. And on our energy side, we've set some really lofty goals around uh, reducing the amount of energy in our stores because uh, you know being able to get to 100% renewable energy requires first that you go back and look at how much energy you're using uh, and so uh, we've we've got uh, some prototypes that we've put out there that uh, that are very aggressive in trying to reduce energy in fact uh, one in in Las Vegas that uh, is up to 40 percent reduction in energy use from the stores we were building back in 2005 not not you know super inefficient stores from 30 years ago but literally our, our best you know high quality super super efficient stores from 2005 this store is 40 percent more efficient than that one we've been able to make a lot of progress in, in doing a lot of the things that truly our customers don't really see, but the stuff that makes a huge difference in our energy load. And one of the coolest things about that is that we've been able to do it in a way that has saved us a ton of money on our electricity bills. It's been exciting, one, to be able to, to get that kind of progress with regard to our energy efficiency in stores, but two, because we're putting a lot of money back to the bottom line with that. To be able to get to renewable energy, you've also got to access new kinds of renewable energies, and we've done a lot of work with wind. We recently announced an agreement where we're purchasing a lot of wind from No Trees, Texas. We've done a lot of work with solar. We've even started putting our toes in the water on uh, doing some small wind, micro wind kind of 
projects in our own stores, including one where, where we're trying out a windmill on top of a light pole, which is a really fun kind of way to think about how to produce energy at the store. And then our final goal is around products. And, you know, as we work on really measuring what and figuring out what more sustainable products are, we've really learned a lot about uh, how to take sustainability to the next level in what we're, we're showing our customers. We're excited about small wins and some, some incremental things like our compacted laundry detergent, where we're taking things that are pretty simple, like the water out of a detergent product, and therefore, obviously, being able to shrink the, the bottle down by about a half the size and you know, saving a whole bunch of resin, a whole bunch of of transportation miles in doing so, uh, and some really, really innovative things where we're, you know, we're fundamentally reshaping what a category is and how we sell things and why we sell them the way we do. We recently became the largest purchase of organic apparel in the world. We've looked beyond just kind of the normal things of organic and really tried to study also uh, how we make a, a big impact. So going back to that t-shirt example of a, an apparel example, we've also looked at some opportunities to start to wash things more in cold water because as we, as we start started to really measure out the impact of a t-shirt, we discovered that one of the most impactful things we could do is help our consumers not have to wash those t-shirts in hot water. And so working with our partners in Procter & Gamble and with Tide Cold Water as a solution and working also with our apparel manufacturers to come up with garments and towels and bath rugs and things that can be washed in cooler water and be come out just as clean, we've been able to make some progress in some of the things that may not be the first things you think about when you think about going in and making impact on a product, but uh, are actually the places where we're going to make the most substantial, most long-term impact. Would you develop the idea of how Walmart leverages its market influence in getting things not only into its stores, but out into the greater market that are actually doing a, a greater good? You mentioned detergent. You mentioned the organic products like apparel. Are there other things as well? The reality is that the list is endless. I have a really fun job at Walmart Stores Incorporated because one of the things that I get to do is hear the stories of our merchants every day, that the things that they're doing, whether they be small or large, to be able to change the world. Our electronics area is very much focused right now on reducing the energy use of its products and you know, it's it's really exciting to see how much progress they're making. We we set a goal just a year and a half ago to be able to reduce the the energy use of our television sets by 30%, which is a pretty lofty goal when you consider it was really only a year and a half ago and we're we're on our way. We're going to we're going to meet that goal. We've done things like set goals around, again, those electronics merchants set goals around uh, selling Ross-compliant electronics as opposed to, you know, normal com normal electronics. You know, and those all really just started with some simple questions to suppliers. On the one hand, I'm really proud of our buyers for the questions they're asking and for the, the decisions that they're making with regard to their categories. But on the other hand, I'm really excited and, and proud of our suppliers. They've, they've really stepped it up. Um, we've seen, we've learned just how much many of our suppliers are doing. And these conversations that we're now having with our suppliers about making a huge difference because of our scale and taking the things that uh, only Walmart can do because we're buying so much product or into the innovation cycle of their product. Um, we're learning that because of this, we have a lot more partners than we'd imagined. People like 3M were doing things well before we were in this space and have taught us a lot. But because of our discussions around sustainability, it's opened up a new way to think about our relationship with those suppliers and what we can all do together. Please talk to me about how the company manages to stay ahead of the curve. Is it just the goals? Is it building in the engagement, not only with your suppliers and with your business partners, but with people out in the industry? Are, are there more factors? That's a really good question, and, and I'll tell you that one of the best things about sustainability is that uh, as soon as you start into it, you realize that it's impossible to know everything. 
<laughs> it's impossible to truly be an expert in sustainability because it's huge. And so what you do is, is you immediately start to reach out to more and more people, and you realize that the number of stakeholders that want to help you in this space, uh, non-governmental organizations, the government, um, industry organizations, other suppliers, your own people who are really excited about this, this topic, all of these people start coming to you and saying, wow, we can go make a difference like this, and I've got ideas, and we can do this together. That openness of dialogue has really changed the game for us. And really, that's how we're staying ahead as it relates to sustainability, as it relates to a lot of our business decisions today. We, we, are, we are innovating differently than we've ever done before because we, we get to hear from our stakeholders, and, uh, and they teach us, and they give us new perspectives that, that really are advantageous to our business. This sounds so much more collaborative than the traditional business model. Is this the way business will be going entirely, or is this simply the sustainability core? You know, I, I can't help but think that this is sort of a new model for how business will be done. And I don't think by any means was it a model that Walmart created or anything like that. I would never say that, that the credit is ours for it. But I really believe that, uh, that this networking style uh, with with the way the world has become so flat as... as uh, you know, some very smart authors of recent months, like Thomas Friedman, have said, mm-hmm. because of the flatness of the earth, because of, of the fact that the connections between people are so much better than ever before, this ability to learn from anyone, anywhere, at any time, and, oh, by the way, do it with extremely mobile devices where it's no longer hard for me to learn this stuff, is changing the game. It's changing the game, one, because, because we can be much more collaborative and we can learn from one another, but two, because I think... I think the customer, I think the general public is beginning to expect a lot more transparency. And that transparency in how you do business and why you do business that way is going to make it so that uh, people feel much more comfortable sharing. Uh, a, a good example of late is, you know, two good examples actually, is Patagonia and the way that they uh, they set out their footprint chronicles. If you haven't seen these, I'd, I'd recommend you go take a look at them. Uh, or S.C. Or Johnson and the uh, the... The last couple of weeks, they uh, they announced that they actually now have a website up where you can see every ingredient in the chemicals that they sell. Um, and actually, just a couple of days ago, Lay's announced that they were going to start telling, telling you where their their bags of chips are coming from and where the potatoes were farmed. This this ability to see your product and to be able to see the stakeholders that are in the chain of your product is really it's it's game changing and it's making it so that we we have an opportunity to collaborate more openly. It's also making it so that we all learn better from one another. Talk a little bit, please, about design metrics and how all the things that we've been talking about, the greater expectations not only that the public has of products, but that businesses have of their own products as well. How does that factor in to how products actually come about these days? Hmm, that's a good question. You know, I, I, uh, I actually like to liken this to sort of the quality movement. Okay. You know, the quality movement was exciting, and everybody got excited about what new quality products could mean, and defining quality was a really fun thing back in the 70s and early 80s, and then, and then Six Sigma came along, and, and it became the metric system that redefined how quality would come to life, and, and it became sort of the rallying cry at the time. I think the same kind of thing is happening now with sustainability, and it's a little bit more complex. But essentially, you know, a few years ago, it was it was a fun thing to talk about, and sustainability was something that was engaging a lot of people, and it was creating a lot of buzz. But before long, when people started to to 
apply it into their own lives and, if you will, kind of bring it into themselves and, and uh, how they purchase and how they act. They, our, our customer and in general, I think that the business community realized pretty quickly that there was a need for a lot more, a lot more information, a lot more metrics to be able to decide really what more sustainable products are and how you know if you got there when you're trying to build something new. And so uh, since then, there's been a, a really strong rallying cry to develop the right metrics to, to prove or to, to disprove uh, the sustainableness of a product. And, uh, you know, it's been a really exciting time for me. And I know that probably doesn't sound really exciting to a lot of people, but uh, we're talking about deciding on the right metric for what is a more sustainable product. Uh, but uh, for me, that's a really exciting idea because with that, without foundation of metrics, as we figure these things out, we'll really be able to take the next step, the next leap in, in terms of massive improvement and in terms of big impact. So you're talking about drilling deep and getting quantitative analysis to help drive the qualitative uh, factors of products. Now, how does one decide or how do a group of people decide which standard to pick? That's a really good question as well. And I, I think it, it, for me it has to be based in life cycle analysis. Uh, you've got you've to consider a, a full product's life cycle. Uh, you've got to then identify where the key impacts are, and then you've got to go ahead and, and focus your metrics that you're going to spend your time and effort on uh, on those really impactful metrics. I think it's going to have to differ by category for where you spend that time, but uh, you, you really can't know unless you spend a little bit of time understanding the life cycle of a product and uh, and identifying where, where you're going to go make impact. Interesting. It also sounds like not only an exciting project, but a big one. It's it's a pretty mighty large product, yeah. <laughs> uh, just as a quick example of that, uh, you know, earlier we, I was talking about that T-shirt example. Um, the, the 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 reason that our apparel folks focus their efforts on on first trying to understand more sustainable cotton and you know, and in beginning with organic as a as a good start for for what that could look like, and then moving on to cold water detergent or, and cold water washing was because that is, that is where the impacts of a T-shirt are. It would have been really easy, and in fact, it would have been very, very normal for us to direct our focus on, say, hangers. But uh, hangers aren't really where the substantial impact is for, for that T-shirt that we were selling. You know, we, we definitely should still look at hangers, and it's not that, that we should walk away from opportunities to improve hangers and make them more sustainable, but instead the fact that, uh, that the vast majority of the impact of a T-shirt, and, and by the way, when I say impact, I, I mean that uh, it's an environmental impact, but it's also uh, a great indication for where the value and opportunity to drive business value is going to be. Uh, but, uh, you know, looking for where these hotspots are is also really directing then where you want to spend your time and focus. Makes sense. So you're going not only for influence and value, but also reach. In terms yes. Of okay. Now, what are the most pressing concerns facing businesses today in terms of their efforts for striving for sustainability? Is it the economy? Is it something else? I believe... You know, I believe it's actually what we've been talking about in large part. I believe that when we get to a point where we understand these metrics more clearly, the value will be so obvious that that uh, it, it 
cannot be an economics issue. In fact, the, the opportunity to drive value through sustainability is still so readily available. There's still so much low-hanging fruit in this space that when we're better at finding it through the right metrics, we, we won't have any problems thinking about whether or not we're going to spend $10 now to make $100 in a year. Um, so, so, I mean, uh, the economy is one of those things that uh, is always going to be, when it's difficult like this, it's always going to be difficult to, to raise capital to be able to make, make big changes, and some big changes do need to be made, yes. And it's going to slow down the, the progress a little bit, but I, I think uh, really the big obstacle, the big opportunity really lies in this idea of making sure that we're measuring the right things clearly enough that we find the value, and then, and then it's just about getting out of the way and letting the market really drive that value in a way that creates tremendous impact. It's important that we, all of us, are, are continuing to make sure that this is something that is that is part of everything that we're doing as opposed to um, being sort of its own special activity. And we can integrate sustainability into the way we do business as opposed to making it a separate function that's slightly different from the way we do business. When we can take it into the way we make decisions on a day-to-day -day basis instead of making it be that thing that is a nagging concern that I keep trying to remember to get back to but, uh, but not really want to deal with today, you get so much more from it. One last example, we've, we've tried to do this from in our business, uh, especially with our people, over the last couple of years through our personal sustainability project, where we've gone out to our stores and, and our associates all across the, the U.S. and spent time with them and helped them understand what sustainability is and helped them understand how to, how to activate in their own lives. And we discovered, you know, early on that, that it was, first of all, they were engaged and excited and at a level that really surprised us. And today there are over half a million associates who tell us they have a PSP, a personal sustainability project, a, a small thing they're going to do in their lives to make their lives a, a little bit better and to improve the planet. But in addition to that, we quickly discovered that as they started to integrate it and as they started to live it, they were finding business value. They were coming back to us and saying, you know, I have an idea. What about what about our opportunities to to help with the the issues around declining seafood populations in the U.S. and can we can we do some things differently to be able to affect that and what about uh, the fact that that in the back of our stores our our Coke machines have lights on when they don't need to in in the backs of our stores our associates don't need those lights on let's pull out those lights and we did by the way and 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 we calculated the savings of pulling out the lights of all of the Coke machines in the backs of our stores and it was about a million dollars in savings My electricity goodness. savings wow. The, uh, these associates are going out and they're, they're doing amazing things, but they're also changing their own lives. They're changing the way they act. They're getting together as a groups of stores and they're cleaning up wetlands. And they're, so they're doing these great projects very much from an environmental focus, but they're also coming back into our business and helping us find value. They're helping us find opportunities that we wouldn't have seen without them. And it's this, this, this integration, one, into your people and into to the way we think, and two, into how we do business as opposed to being separate from it that, uh, that really has changed the game for us and, and uh, you know, I, I hope will become sort of the model of business in years to come. Um, and, of course, there's much more change that needs to happen. There's a lot more we need to do. We're by no means there. We have a long way to go before we are a sustainable company. But, boy, it's been fun to see the progress we've made. Ron, thank you so much for sharing your time with us today. Thank you.
You've been listening to Green Biz Radio. For the latest daily news on business, the environment, and the bottom line, and to sign up for our free newsletters, visit greenbiz.com. <laughs>